Pilot Boys in the building. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. I am Mecca Don here with my co-host, V. Mama mentality for life. Today is July 23rd, 2020. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know you can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We are quarantined and social distancing due to this coronavirus pandemic, but we're still going to figure out a way to bring you guys a show at all costs. We have a lot to talk about today, so we do not have a guest, but we will hit news and notes of topics ranging from everything from John Lewis, Megan Thee Stallion, and Tory Lanez, Ohio State football, Nick Cannon, Kanye, San Francisco Giants, the NBA, baseball, John Kasich, and much more. Shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Remember now that our $5 and up Patreon subscribers will get our episodes on Wednesdays, a night early. These donations help keep our show going. If you want to help keep us on air, you can donate at www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys Podcast. And don't forget, buy some wristbands and some face masks at shop.pilotboys.com. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating and comment on Apple. Let's go. Where the Pilot Boys at? Listening to the Pilot Boys podcast, episode 38. There's so much to get to right now, V. There's a ton happening in the world. No guests this week. Let's jump right in the news and notes and let's get to it. Let's get it. First, let's, uh, man, I think we should start with uh, RIP to John Lewis. Uh, I don't even know how to describe him. I mean, he's a figure that literally was larger than life, symbolizes. He's just, a, I guess, a, was a living symbol, I guess you could say, of, of civil rights, of courage. Um, someone who has fought for the rights of all Americans in this country for decades, you know, marched right next to Martin Luther King Jr., you know, was given speeches next to him at age 23. Obviously has been a part of Congress for many years and has done many things to try to ensure that the Voting Rights Act um, gets upheld and a lot of other things. Um, very uh, progressive and unrelenting. Um, so, you know, to lose someone like that, especially in these times when, you know, we need voices of strength and people with credibility and people with wisdom, um, it was just a tremendous, tremendous loss. Yeah, a huge loss. Um, I think more than anything, you know, uh, our politics lost an authentic voice, which is very important, right? When in a rare He's one of those rare people who was a person first before he was a politician. Um, and his track record shows that, right? Someone who yeah. actually fought for what we expect our politicians to fight for. Um, and almost universally respected, I think, regardless of what your party is. Um, he is someone who lived a life in full, who did his duty to the country um, and yeah. should be honored as such um, eternally and rest in peace and hopefully he's in a better place we know he's in a better place right and and you mentioned in in another conversation that we had offline um one of the things that you respected about him a lot was that he was principled and uh you know when you just look at kind of how he operated he was a guy that didn't take shit um he was a guy that would quote unquote get into good trouble yeah um he's a person that understood that resistance and particularly nonviolent resistance 
was a lot of times the only way to get things done. Um, he stood in the face of courage, you know, in the face of hate. He was beaten down. He was arrested multiple times. I mean, this is a legacy of someone that I think everybody needs to know. And for anybody out there that does, is not familiar with him, go look him up. Go look up John Lewis on YouTube, on Google. You can find articles. Um, you can find documentaries. You can find pieces that kind of detail his life. And I think it's very, very important that someone like that is remembered and uh, written about appropriately in the history books. And as you said, um, RIP. And, you know, we, like you said, we know he's in a better place. Long past due for them to rename the Edmund Pettus Bridge after him. Absolutely. Let's let's move into, um, you know, the Nick. Let's move into the Nick Cannon situation. I mean, you know, this situation is 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 very interesting because you know, in a previous show, we talked about kind of when you're fighting for justice, that your fight in a lot of ways has to be universal, and when when it's not, um, and I think it was in relation to our uh, Stephen Jackson. When it's not, it kind of undermines your movement and the other things that you're fighting for. Um, the Nick Cannon situation, essentially in a nutshell, is, you know, he, he released some very anti-Semitic comments on a podcast of his and got a, a immediate backlash for it, was dropped by Viacom, essentially um, defended himself initially, but then came back and apologized, has actually reached out to a rabbi, uh, Rabbi Abraham Cooper. They've actually had a conversation about this. Um, he's apologized. So it's, it's taken many kind of turns and then in, in, intertwined in that, um, which is somewhat unrelated. One of his friends committed suicide. Then Nick actually posts suicidal thoughts in the midst of all of this thing kind of happening. Um, it's just kind of taken a, a very windy road. What are your, what are your thoughts on kind of the whole situation? I mean, I think, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had some really good thoughts on this that I that I tuned into. Um, basically, I think what you said at the beginning of this, right, is it's like we don't get anywhere as minorities. I don't even really like to use that word. Um, but as minorities, when we don't see the synergy in our struggles, right, mm -hmm. um, that's something that brought you and I together despite mm – -hmm being different backgrounds different, right. having different backgrounds and i think it's very important for us to understand that there are many people fighting the good fight to try to get equality in this world um, and i think also for nick cannon in particular he's someone we know is being very smart um, he did he hasn't gotten to where he's gotten to without being smart um, and you've got to understand in an industry um, where he's dealt um, with a lot of Jewish people, a lot of Jewish people have helped him um, get the platform that he has, that he particularly needs to be more sensitive to criticizing um, that group than someone else. Yeah. Uh, also, and, and that's that's something you never bite the hand that feeds you. Well, I think, you know, it's it's sad, right? Because I think that, you know, I, I and I call some of these things unforced errors, right? It's it's. You know, you just have a podcast and you just say stuff yeah. and, you know, it's like no one forced you to say it. No one forced you to blurt it out. And even if those are some of the things that you think internally. Um, but I guess what I, one of the things that we are seeing um, and not just in his situation, but it's kind of like a reckoning. Right. Which is that where people who are saying certain things or who have said certain things or have done certain things are being held to task. Um, and they have one of two ways that they can go. They can say, look, I don't care what you say. 
this is what I think, this is what I believe. And then they kind of draw a line in the sand there and then people know where they stand. Or they say, wow, you know, they seek out people and they seek out information and they seek out conversation and they kind of are forced to kind of deal with it, deal with it um, and learn from it and potentially move on and potentially become allies for it. And, you know, some people will never accept you um, as a result, you know, um, but then some people will. For example, actually going back to John Lewis story, I saw something about one of the uh, KKK members who was responsible for beating him. And late, many, many years later, that KKK member reached out to John Lewis, apologized, told him that he was wrong, um, that he felt terrible for what he did, admitted that what he did. And they had some type of come into Jesus or whatever moment where they actually reconciled and they hugged and, you know, their pictures and all that type of stuff. Now, did John Lewis have to do that? No, he didn't. But there is something powerful within that. And so mm -hmm. I do think that sometimes, um, you know, when you're looking at kind of hate and how it's manifested itself in society, that that there are opportunities out there that, that are created, that potentially can be created to where, you know, things can turn around and that can be used, you know, for better. So hopefully this Nick Cannon situation will be one of those. It seems like it's it, it has the potential to be, especially since he's, you know, now engaged the community. Like I said, he's reached out to a rabbi that had a conversation that's been public. So we'll, we'll see where this thing heads, but um, I think there's always a lesson in all of these things. Yep. Uh, let's move. Let's move a little bit forward. I mean, we're going to keep stay on artists, but we're going to stand, I guess, controversy. Kanye West, you know, and, you know, it's, it's interesting talking about Kanye now. First of all, you know, 20 years ago <laughs> or 15 years ago, a conversation that you and I would have had about Kanye. Almost nothing that we're going to talk about him about today would have been in that conversation. You know, yeah. I would say 15, 20 years ago, we just looked at him as kind of a musical phenom, an excellent producer, you know, someone who helped the careers of many artists and then obviously was the artist, the dope artist himself. Um, since his mother passed away, you know, things feel like things started to deteriorate a little bit, obviously getting with the, then he got with Kim Kardashian and, you know, you know how that goes, you know, like there are not many guys that get with the Kardashians and don't have some type of you know, crazy circumstances. Um, and it just seems like he's continuing to unravel and, and, and publicly, right? He's, you know, he's now quote unquote running for president. You know, he had a, a speech that he, a rally, I don't even know what you call it, where he was making all kinds of claims and talking about his, you know, almost killed his daughter and Harriet Tubman didn't really free the slaves, all this different type of stuff. And then um, the other night on Twitter, he just went on a rant talking about Kim, talking about, Get Out was about him, the movie Get Out, and, you know, how they Kim tried to have him, you know, uh, sent to a hospital in Wyoming, and they tried to, you know, to Chris Jenner, you know, all kinds of stuff. And it's just, I don't, I don't really know which angle to approach it from, because if this is a true mental health episode or a series of mental health episodes, then I, I really don't have any way to evaluate it beyond the fact that he just needs to get help. If it's something other than that, then that's also deep too. So I don't know, how do you, when you look at the situation, how do you look at it and evaluate it? I mean, this Kanye story and the Kardashian story is something we talk about a lot, right? Mm -hmm. What is the price you are willing to pay to become rich or become wealthy or to get to whatever status that you want, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know so much about Kanye's mental health issues. He 
if he says he has them, he has them, right? And through his experiences, he probably has them. But if you look at his career, um, the problem that I have with sometimes being sympathetic to Kanye is because I do feel like there are a lot of books written about media manipulation and strategy, um, specifically saying outlandish things that no one would think anyone would say mm-hmm. to generate complete attention around yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, one of my favorite authors, Ryan, um, Ryan Holiday wrote a book called Trust Me, I'm Lying. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what comes out of Kanye's mouth, if it's true or if he's saying it specifically. It started with George Bush hates black people, then the Taylor Swift thing, then the Trump thing. It's almost like he takes these positions that are so, so, so wrong intentionally to generate attention and controversy and always happens around a time when he's working on a project, an album or something else. And one of the issues that I have with our, our handling of Kanye West is that we're making him richer. So he's, I think him and Kim have a combined worth over a billion dollars now, right? Gap hasn't come out and canceled his line. Adidas hasn't canceled his line. So there should be some, consequences if he's never going to face any consequences for what he's doing and the things that he cares about right yeah then he's going to only continue to do this and i don't think he really cares about the damage that he does like that statement that he made about harriet tubman that is calculated you don't just randomly say something like that it was Mm -hmm. like it was so provocative and so unnecessary and he knew the result and what what happens every time he does it you and I are talking about it now. The world stops. We're talking about Kanye West. Yeah. It's just, it's a reflection on our society more than anything that we give this type of bullshit so much power. Well, well, and you know, I've heard people mention this in this context and other contexts. It's it's like a train wreck, right? It's like you want to turn away, but you kind of have to watch. And, and and I think though, but I do think that this does bring up a a, a bigger point um, about mental health. Right. And I, and we'll have somebody on here. Um, to talk about mental health and hopefully in the coming weeks, a a clinical psychologist to help us break some of these issues down. Because I think the average person, um, lay person who hasn't studied these things, doesn't necessarily know how to evaluate it, doesn't know what to look for. They're all different types of diagnoses. All mental health issues are not necessarily the same. Um, And, you know, maybe it's related to narcissism. Maybe it's related to... That's more than likely. That's what what some people, a lot of people think it's that. But maybe it is some type of episode but but then like you said there's it's skeptical you're skeptical because he's about to release an album and then he has this new thing with gap and then all of a sudden you know there's all this attention around him mm-hmm. and 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 honestly in, in, the, in the entertainment industry you know the people trade off of attention a lot of times the attention yeah. is what that is what generates your money um so you know some people actually fall in love with it uh and figure out they just got to get it at all costs so i don't know what the full scenario is there um, me personally, I've kind of checked out, honestly, of the whole Kanye thing. I'm not interested in his music. I'm not interested in his clothes. I'm not interested in anything that he puts out. Um, if it is a mental health thing, I do hope that he gets help. Just like I hope anybody that has mental health issues gets help. Um, it's it's sad if that is what it is. It's sad to see it play out like this in public. Yeah. If it's a hustle and it's just part of a strategy that he knows what he's doing and he's just doing this because it generates attention. And that's also sad too. But I think for me, either way, I've checked out, and 
I pray for him and I moved on. That's it. I, I can't, I can't deal with yeah, his, his, his net worth has increased, but what price has he paid um, in his soul? Right. And, and that's a question we all have to ask. And, you know, it's also a reflection on us more than anything else, because a lot of the reason that these people have their platforms is because we continue to tune in and enjoy it. So mm-hmm. yeah. we, have, we have to ask ourselves and look in the mirror as well and what we prioritize and what we value. Yeah. And to be honest, I've actually, you know, I've I mute, muted certain words on Twitter and he was one of the words that I muted a while ago, you know, cause yeah. I just, I just didn't want to see it anymore. Same with Kardashian, all that stuff. I don't, I just, yeah. I'm just not into it. So, um, but speaking of mental health, Tamar Braxton, she had an episode this week, it appears, um, was, was hospitalized. What's your, what's your take there? Um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's always sad. And this is the thing, you know, that some, some people were talking about this on Twitter too. It's like, it's always sad, whether it's a celebrity or the person at the local, you know, bodega or whatever, it's sad. But I guess when it's a celebrity, someone, you know, it generates more attention. Um, so what are your, what are your thoughts there? Any thoughts? I mean, she's obviously have had some, some issues and challenges in her life. Uh, celebrity isn't easy for anyone. It's not normal, right? To mm-hmm. be a celebrity, it's not normal. It comes with a lot, comes with a lot of pressure. It comes with financial challenges. It comes with having to try to stay relevant. Um, obviously, the, the pandemic and everything that's going on doesn't help anyone with mental issues. Right. Um, again, I think what we do as a culture now is anytime something like this happens, we want to turn it into a meme or or, or joke about certain things. But the truth is that these people are human beings. They've got challenges. And it would be a, a great society if if we would just leave these people alone to deal with it and see how we could help and help them versus point our fingers and, and yeah. Look and, at and going back to kind of the last conversation, these, these are, these are kind of, I guess we can lump them together. And as far as just like the potential for mental health and, and what that means. And I think as a society, you know, when we talk about education, for example, in schools, and one of the things that we mentioned, we always mention first of all, the history that we know that we all have not been taught. But we also mentioned things on like financial literacy and budgeting and stock market and entrepreneurship, things that aren't taught in school. Um, the other things that aren't taught in school are things that are related to your laws and uh, to laws and your rights. Right. I think we should be taught those type of things mm-hmm. generally. Obviously, you don't have to go to law school. And I think the other thing is that, um, you know, we also should be taught about mental health and health issues. Uh, and how we can identify or how we should treat them or how we should react to them. Or what do we see if we have a friend or a family member that has these type of things? How do we spot certain things? You know, how do we know the difference between, you know, obviously there are going to be advanced, you know, <laughs> curriculum for that type of thing, but there should be a basic level. And I think the average person doesn't really know mm-hmm. how to spot it, how to deal with it. Everyone just says, okay, put them in the mental hospital or, or get the medicine or whatever. But, I don't think we're equipped as a society that well to deal with these, these issues. And, yeah. and it's, it, it's unfortunate, you know? Yeah. And oftentimes what we do, you know, when, when they do get help, we give them some meds and tell them that that's it. But really it seems like counseling and, and help is, and, and having good relationships is, is critical to mental health. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, speaking of kind of the celebrity thing and another kind of crazy story is the Megan Thee Stallion and Tory Lane story. And th- this this story to me is is really deep, honestly. I mean, I mean, 
first of all, I guess no matter who the people are that are involved, it would be kind of a crazy story. But because they're both kind of celebrities who are really kind of both at the top of their game, this story is very interesting. They were in L.A. together, essentially. And the first story came out that, you know, Megan had cut her foot on glass. And then she clarified. She actually was the one that came out and clarified and said that, no, she was actually shot intentionally with the, uh, with the person did it intentionally to hurt her. And then the story started to surface in, I think it was TMZ and, you know, double XL and all these outlets were reporting that Tory Lanez actually shot her, um, himself and he was arrested on a gun charge. Um, but the, the, the final story hasn't necessarily come out, but it's just crazy. Like what? Like when you hear it's like, what? Like Tory Lanez, like this, this guy who likes to have fun that a lot of people seem to like and has good energy and, you know, just seems like a kind of just a fun guy. And then Megan Thee Stallion, who's, you know, also like seems fun, you know, maybe not, these aren't people that necessarily you would feel like take life so seriously or try to live some type of tough person life. And then all of a sudden you hear about one of them shot each other and intentionally. I, I don't even know where to start with that story. Man, this music industry is a crazy, crazy space. Um, mm -hmm. And I think what happens to a lot of people, to anyone, right? Like, just think about what happens to these people. Tory Lanez obviously is a talented artist. Megan Stallion is obviously a talented artist. But what about before they made it, right? Who were they? You know, what what insecurities do they carry forward? Now people care about Tory Lanez. Now people care about Megan the Stallion. And they're trying to figure out how to engage in real life while having this career that generates so much attention, right? Mm -hmm. right. So I don't know what happened. You know, obviously she said she got shot intentionally. The rumor has it that they were dating. Um, but it just is an industry rife with pettiness, yeah. and beef, and oftentimes the consequences, people lose their lives. And that's just unfortunate. And there has to be a change um, in the culture um, to adjust for that at some point. Well, I think that, you know, part of this is, and we talked about this before, this broader conversation on kind of the music industry. And when you talk about culture, part of it, especially in hip hop, has, has been what has been is allowed to be promoted. There, You know, there are a lot of artists out there who are not promoting bullshit or not promoting violence and all the stuff that, that we see. Um, but for some reason, the industry and, you know, maybe in this kind of relates to a point you made earlier, um, the industry kind of. It promotes these crazy, you know, mm -hmm. just bullshit all the time. And part of it might just be, like you said, a reflection of society and what society consumes. Because theoretically, if society was not consuming it, then there would be no value in promoting it financially, right? Mm -hmm. um, clearly, there's been financial value in promoting shoot them up and kill them and do this and stuff. I'm not saying that's what Megan and Tori promote. But there has definitely been a value placed on that in society. And mm -hmm. there are definitely a lot of people in the industry exploiting that, not caring about the consequences of that, not caring about what that may do to communities or to young people's minds or anything like that. And the same thing happens in Hollywood as well with violent movies. It's not just I don't want to just act as if it only relates to hip hop. But, it's you know, those are the things that we're seeing in our entertainment space, reality TV as well. I mean, people are really, really realizing that there's a lot of value to be created um, in violence and sex and ratchetness and fights and whatever. And sometimes those things actually spill over into real life. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, like you said, you don't know what the circumstances are, so it's hard to even judge this one in particular. But just the idea of, of Tori shooting a woman 
you know, um, I can't imagine what circumstances could have led to that. So we'll see. I mean, I guess, you know, we'll follow the story and, and see where it ends up. But it, it's right now. That's not a that's not a good story at all. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Let's move to some uh, some sports stuff. Let's talk some some NFL stuff. Um, NFL players are going to be reporting to camp. And uh, one of the things that's that the NFL and NFLPA finally agreed on was that the NFL players will get tested every day uh, for the coronavirus for the first two weeks of training camp. And then things will be reevaluated after that. I think uh, initially the NFL was only going to want to test them every other day. Um, the NFLPA pushed back and said, no, we need to be tested every day to protect these guys. Um, but yeah, they're going to report to camp. You know, there are a lot of players out here who've been voicing, you know, from JJ Watt to, you know, I don't even know, Deshaun Watson, tons of guys have been vo- voicing uh, their opinion saying that the NFL needs to do better. Russell Wilson, the NFL needs to do better to protect um, the players and, and that they want to play. We want to play is the hashtag. Uh, what are your kind of your thoughts on the NFL kind of rebooting and um, I guess their plan for testing? Well, it's no surprise that the NFL and their players aren't in agreement and aren't on the same page. Um, it's just we come to expect this. We see the NBA. We see a much better relationship between players, owners, and, and the commissioner's office. Um, we don't see that um, in the NFL. I've looked at and we've, we've both looked at their reopening plan. Mm-hmm. We think it's rife with holes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they 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 speak in grandiose terms like we're going to be the model organization for how to handle the cor- coronavirus. Right. This and the other, but it, it's just not the case, you know. Yeah. And that's the problem. Once the trust is broken between the players and and the NFL, just everything becomes a challenge, and it, it it's it's just unfortunate. Well, the other thing too, I think. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they, they also have a quarantine quarantine rules. If a player contracts the virus, they do have to quarantine for 14 days, I believe. And uh, they're going to, I think they get put on like the non-injury reserve list. Um, and we talked about this many times. I mean, how that is that going to play out? You know, it's, you know, guys, so, you know, Patrick Mahomes catches the coronavirus right before the AFC championship game or something like that. I mean, it, this could play out a number of ways, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, certain businesses uh, have have said, listen, we're going to do our best to get back to normal. We're going to do what we can to to proceed and we'll see where where that lands us. And I think a lot of the professional organizations have taken that. I don't think it's necessarily unreasonable, an unreasonable position, um, but I do think that they they should make sure they're listening not only to the medical professionals, but also the players and employees mm-hmm. and people who are actually going to be putting their you know, putting their bodies and their lives and potentially their families' lives at risk by going to play. So um, we'll see. We'll see how how that works out. I'm glad that they've at least agreed to testing every day. Um, you know, and, and hopefully that you know will yield kind of positive results. Um, but we'll see how that works out. And then I guess one other thing, NFL related thing. Michael Bennett is retiring. Um, I think after 11 seasons, he was a three time Pro Bowler. Uh, just a, a very thoughtful guy, a guy who's, you know, made his name outside of football in terms of, I think, written children's books and op-eds and been very vocal and kind of, you know, society and, and blackness. And um, so he's a guy that I don't, ex- he's retiring from the NFL, but he's not a guy that I expect we won't be hearing from anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, him and his brother Martellus have offered a lot beyond just being football players uh, to all of us. Um, and the NFL and the NFL community is going to miss them being a part of that community. But I think they both will have a lot to say um, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And and speaking of uh, the COVID-19 and these professional sports leagues, the NBA, um, their bubble seems to be working so far. Zero NBA players have tested positive in the, in the quarantine bubble so far out of, I think, th- over 300. 328, I believe, was the number. Um, that's pretty remarkable, to be honest. You know, again, it's early. We don't know what will happen down the line. But I think that's that's something to be excited about if you're an NBA fan, at least. I mean, look, this isn't, you know, this is what you expect from your multi-billion dollar sports organizations, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as a player tested positive, the NBA shut down. They didn't sit and think about, oh, how do we stay open? They said, look, this is risky for our players and our our fans. We're going to shut down. And not only that, but as we've, as they went through the process of reopening, you could tell that there was a real dialogue and a real process of thought that went into how to reopen the NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're organized and and, and you have a plan, things can be controlled, right? Mm -hmm. And not saying there won't be any positive cases in the bubble, but the NBA has been very open, not only with its players, but with the community about what's happening. When players test positive, we know about it. It's not shrouded in secrecy. Um, and it's it's definitely positive news. And, and it's something the rest of the country probably can learn from. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of, I think that's, I think this is kind of the point here. I think a lot of us realize that we're, that this virus is amongst us and that we're we're living with it, right? And that theoretically we could all contract it at any time. Um, so it's not really about that as much as what are you doing to reduce the probability, right? Or to reduce mm-hmm. the odds, you know, what steps are you taking individually? That's a question we have to ask ourselves, right? Um, but then also if you're an organization, what steps are you taking? Are you, you know, are you, do you have a bubble if you can create one? Are you testing a certain way? Are you social distancing? Are, re, are you requiring, requiring masks? Are you doing contact trace? I mean, these are the things that, you know, responsible organizations will do, mm-hmm. put into place to make sure that they're trying to manage the virus as best as they can at this point in time. And not just get back on the field, right? And not just get back on the field. And speaking of actually that real quick, one thing that this made me think of is California high school. Um, they've decided that football is done for the fall and won't really return until 2021, 2022. Uh, and it's interesting because there are a couple of things, and I think that this could happen in, in college sports as well. And I think part of the reason why we're not seeing college teams do this yet, um, and maybe even states, is because the impact that it can have on business is different than high school, right? Mm-hmm. And then also, um, the impact they can have on recruiting. I'm hearing that people from some of these kids are transferring out of California because they're like, nah, I'm not about to lose a whole season. I'm about to go play. Uh, and that just is an example of some of the fallout um, that's happening from this with sports, especially as it trickles down to, you know, non-professional entities. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are, there's a price to pay during a pandemic and a lot of us are paying different prices. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for athletes, um, 
this situation, especially amateur athletes who are looking to make a name for themselves, this creates a particularly tricky situation. If you're in your last year of eligibility in college or you're a junior or senior in, in high school, you're trying to make an impression and every year matters. Yeah. Right? Um, so I, I completely understand it, but the reality is the reality and the state of California has to do what's best for its citizens and for its states and for its hospitals and healthcare frontline workers to mini minimize the risk. These are all, many of these places are highly populated places um, and an outbreak is something that would be very costly and very dangerous. Well, I saw um, a, a nurse, a group of nurses actually in New York who on, on social media who were talking about that in their hospitals now, the majority of patients that they're seeing are age 20 to 50 or 20 to 40, I believe. Um, and that one of the things that kind of goes unreported uh, is, it, you know, people report deaths and recovery, yeah. you know, and maybe hospitalization and hospitalizations, obviously. Yeah. But they don't they don't report the people who are dealing with issues beyond that. You know, people who are suffering at home, people who are having issues breathing and lung, lung issues, the long potential long-term effects. It's not just like, oh, you either die or you're recovered. It's like people who are being counted as recovered aren't recovered. And that this is actually starting to affect a young, younger population as well. Um, there was even a story, which I don't know, you know, reported by a lot of outlets, who knows, you know, what's true, I guess, but I, I, it was reputable outlets that reported like 85 babies that tested positive for it. Yeah. So it's, we're starting to see it, um, part, particularly the younger population, we're seeing that particularly because, you know, things have opened back up and people have been out. Maybe some of the protests have, have had something to do with it as well. But um, so it's, it's, we can't just look at it and say, oh, it just, just affects old, older people. Um, you know, we need to, these young people can get it and they'll, be, they'll all be fine and herd immunity and all this type of stuff. I mean, you can't really do that, you know, nope. because, mm-hmm. because you have to value, you have to value life. And uh, and you have to value quality of life too, not just living or dying. And being be honest about where we're at as a country, we do not have enough healthcare workers. We don't have enough hospital beds. We don't have enough facility support to handle just opening everything back up and saying, "Hey, whoever gets it gets it," um, and we'll deal with the people that get it and eventually well, develop. And then the other thing, community. and the other thing for high schools too, real quick on that is is. You know, and especially as it pertains to football. I mean, we talked about this a hundred times. It's you can't socially distance in football. So yeah. any precautions that you would like to take, you can't not really take them. You know, um, and you just kind of. I mean, you can test and you can, you know, have guys wear masks on the sidelines, which is funny. Have guys that exchange jerseys at the end of the game, which is hilarious. Like you can tackle yeah. me for sixty minutes, but you can't exchange jerseys. Yeah, you have guys wearing masks on the sidelines, but like in the in the game, they're like lining up in front of each other, breathing on each other. It's not realistic. And um, so I guess that transitions into kind of our next thing, which is kind of college football, right? Um, there's a report that came out. I think it was NJ.com. Um, Big 10 teams stand to lose almost a billion dollars if there's no season. Um, Rutgers, I think, was at the lowest end. With, they would lose $50 million. And Ohio State, obviously, was at the highest end, which would be double that, almost $100 million that they would lose if they don't have a football season. Um, you know, and, and there's – there, there are also rumors that, like, you know, even if that happens, Ohio State wouldn't necessarily have to get rid of any sports, which shows you what kind of financial posi- position they're in. And that explains a little bit of the disparity uh, amongst different teams in, in, in college sports, even within the same conference. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but this thing is a big deal because you know we've you know sports and particularly football it's not just what it generates for the university right just from a financial standpoint it's not just about what it generates for the university but what it generates for many businesses surrounding the surrounding that sport right from retailers to even gas stations and restaurants who you who pick up business three four tenfold during the season um to many different member card memorabilia all kinds of different businesses that are impacted by it you have to imagine and then also partners right so that these these schools have partners they have you know adidas and nike and gatorade and you know all these other people that they work with that also generate money so this decision you cannot (laughs) people can tell you all day long that though we're just looking at the science and Whatever the science tells us is what we're going to do, but that's not how these decisions are going to get made. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, just, <laughs> we, don't, we don't care. Anything that's bad news, we don't want to hear. And that's, that's part of the problem when you marry for-profit capitalism as being the centerpiece of your, of your country um, and not putting into consideration everything else. The problem here is that we are so dependent on the money. Mm -hmm. So many different people are so dependent from, like you said, the small business owner all the way up to Ohio State University need money to function, right? You need money to continue to grow. And also once you get to a certain size, it's expensive, right? It's It's not a cheap, running all the sports at a university like Ohio State is not a cheap endeavor. Right. Constantly looking for new fundraising, constantly mm-hmm. looking for new sponsors. Mm-hmm. So when something like this happens, you are impacted. But I do think the valuable lesson to take away from this is that we face many challenges in the world, just like this pandemic. And you have to adjust. There's going to be a loss. Mm-hmm. Right. And we can sit here and cry over the spilled milk of, oh, we're going to lose this. We're going to lose this. Or we can say, OK. How do we make our our sport better so it isn't at the mercy of something like this in the future? Right. Well, well, the other and here's the other thing, too, that I think people get annoyed with people like us for not saying all the time, um, or at least mentioning is, is what does happen to all of those small businesses and mom and pop shops and you know, employees and different people who who are also affected by shutdowns, right? So mm-hmm. they may not, if, if, if the coronavirus, the coronavirus on one end and all the health issues that it brings there and potential financial issues, but then also on the other end, if, if the financial side of things and what that, what that could bring in terms of health issues and, you know, financial issues and mental health issues as well too. And I think that, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a lose-lose situation. I think that's pretty much at the end of the day what, what we have to acknowledge. It's lose-lose. We're in a, it didn't have to be necessarily, but where we are now, based on lack of leadership and just fumbling, just constant fumbling through this whole thing, we are now in a lose-lose situation. And really, it's just about where do you come on the analysis? Which loss, so to speak, um, do you feel like is greater? Mm-hmm. You know. And honestly, you, you talk to certain people, their priorities are not, are not the same. So people say, listen, man, I'll take my chances out here, you know, and if I infect somebody, sorry, but I'm taking my chances out here. I need to work. I need to to live. I need to go to games. I need to be whatever. And it's a very selfish way of, of thinking, but you understand how that's happened in this society based on them pushing this American dream mm-hmm. is like, go get it, go get it, go get it, you know? 
And like you said, I don't necessarily even have a problem with someone taking that type of position. It's when that person becomes so delusional that they try to justify that position with some science or something else that's not supporting their position, right? We have so many people in America who are looking for data to support their position versus in a pandemic, we need to be looking for what's the objective truth here. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I think we're being exposed as Americans is, is that any popular opinion has support, has data that supports it, but that's all about what are people looking for, right? Yeah. And we're not really looking for objective answers. We're looking for answers to support whatever our position. Well, and there's also a lot of manipulation and data that's happening out there. And then the other thing too is there've been there've been some blunders that have come from people at the top, people that we've even trusted. And some people have less tolerance for that than others. For me, I I have a, a greater tolerance for it because I just I think I just naturally understand that if there's a new pandemic that data information is going to change, right? Even the virus itself is changing. So how can I hold somebody accountable for what they said two months ago and say, no, that must still be true today. That's not how it is. Now, maybe they could have done a better job framing it to make us understand that. They're like, listen, what we're telling you today may not be true two months from now. Maybe they haven't done a good job there. But, you know, that's something that I just kind of naturally understand. So I expect this thing to change. And to be honest, I've been wearing a mask since the first week of March. And I have documented proof of that. You know what I mean? That's before yeah. anybody, it was, because to me, it just naturally made sense. Like, of course, if there's a virus that you can catch by just talking to people, then yeah, how could a mask not help somehow? You know what I mean? Like, so. I just know, can't believe we have anti-mask protests happening. Like what? This, people, and, and you know, and on Facebook, you'll see it. You'll say, you know, they say, first they say it's just a mask. Then they'll tell you it's just a vaccine. Then they'll tell you it's just a, a, a chip in your body. Then they'll tell you it's just, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, there are people who really don't, don't want any of their fr- quote unquote freedoms to be infringed upon by the government. And they are not, there's nothing, no data you can provide them. There's no nothing. Even Trump wearing a mask is not going to be enough for them. Mm-hmm. They're like, nah, I don't want any infringement by the government. Everything is a conspiracy. Every single thing is a conspiracy. It's crazy. <laughs> Let's talk real quick, though, On we were, as we were talking about the Big Ten. I do want to talk substantively, and not substantively, but just let's, let's play out a couple scenarios with, with Ohio State football. Ohio State for example, obviously, we have some stars that are supposed to be returning to this this year who, you know, one of them is Sean Wade, who could have already gone pro, right? Um, then you obviously have Justin Fields. What does it look like, man, if, if, if Ohio State doesn't have a season this year, what does that do? What does that, do? What does that mean? I mean, I, is it, I mean, I guess it means what it means. And maybe I'm answering my own question, which is that it means that Justin Fields is gone. We'll never see him play in the Ohio State again sean wade and guys like that are gone wyatt davis these guys are gone like i think that's kind of crazy um to see that 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 that's a possibility that can happen as well yeah again there's a collateral damage um for a a global pandemic and it, it might be might be that it's unfortunate for those guys specifically like but i think justin fields and sean wade um, I think objectively are first round draft picks. Um, mm-hmm. But there are other guys who are going into their senior year um, at all these schools who are finally getting their chance to start 
and potentially showcase their talents yeah. um, to the to the world. And then the other part of this is age, right? Football specifically isn't a, a sport that lasts forever. So even if Sean Wade wanted to come back, that's another year. Um, what he's going to go into the NFL when he's twenty three years old, twenty four. Right, right. Like those are decisions are that, that he can't make for himself. So yes, it's going to be. Well, that's a- And that's also interesting, too, because, you know, like the other interesting thing in this is like and we talked about this just a little bit ago about with the high school with regard to California high schools. But there are going to be some conferences or some states essentially that play and some that don't. And there are going to be some that start and potentially stop while others continue. This is going to be a shit show. I mean, (laughs) I don't know what people are expecting and I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. And I think that sometimes when you say your honest opinion and, you know, based on your objective analysis that people think you're being the bearer of bad news. Um, But if you know us, then you know that we love football. So there's no reason why we would want these things to be true. Yeah. But this is going to be a shit show. I mean, you have different things happening even within certain states and within certain cities you know, mayors are doing mask mandates and then governors are suing them for for that. Like that's happening in, in Georgia right now, mm-hmm. like within the same state. Yeah. Not to mention when you're talking about within intrastate or interstate and you have people traveling back and forth, different regulations, um, different ideas of how to deal with this virus, different, you know, hotspots like I don't even, and not to mention what even the university decisions on whether there's even going to be class or on on campus class or online classes. I don't really see how there's going to be a consistent season here. Um, the, only, the only thing that could make sense is how the Big Ten plans a conference only season, and that's even a stretch, right? Like yeah. you can't, you know, it's going to have to be decided at least at the our conference has to be in agreement, right? At the very mm-hmm. least on how they handle things. And like you said, if the states have different different mandates, like I just don't see how it how it's gonna happen either. They'll, and that's it and then the thing don't. is real and, and the thing is real quick on that V is that the the this is exposing again the reality of college big especially big time college football and, and yeah. college basketball. Like this is a business man. And, and if this was just about kids and protecting kids and it wasn't really a business, it was just some extracurricular. That was cool. This canceled. all been shut. It would have been canceled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and that's the, that's from a PR perspective, I guess that's part of what they're dealing with now too, is how do we actually expose these kids to the, to potentially expose them to the virus? Even if we think it's benign, even if we think it's not going to hurt them that much. And then most of them, 99.9% of them will recover. How do we manage that? in the PR way, right? Mm-hmm. How do we say that we expose them to that and justify that when other segments of society may not be doing that? The only way you can really do that is if you admit that it's big business and that there yeah. are a lot of people that are going to be affected by it, which they'll never do. So that's going to be an interesting balance that we watch um, as this, you know, as it gets closer and closer to the season. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, let's baseball, Canada, man, Canada's not playing around. They're actually not allowing the Blue Jays to play home games there. Uh, as a result of the coronavirus. So, yeah, they can play other places, but they're not allowing them um, to play home games. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's good for Buffalo's economy because they're going to be playing <laughs> most of their home right. games in Buffalo. But, I mean, again, you know, what do you prioritize? In Canada, they prioritize – their priorities are a little bit different. Their government mm-hmm. is structured a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do have their freedoms, but they 
money doesn't come first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've seen in Canada, the virus is much better controlled than it is in America. Um, and, and they don't face the same challenges of people questioning everything that the government does, questioning science, questioning they care first and they're showing that they care more about the safety of their citizens and controlling this virus in the long term than they care about anything in the short term and, and what profits having the Blue Jays play home games, which is significant plays for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, that, that that's what kind of what we were just talking about is that that's pretty much what's going to happen everywhere. Everybody's going to be making their own decisions based on their own interpret data and interpretation of that data. And that is going to affect other people. So just because you might be in a good place, that doesn't mean that your competition, so to speak, is or the per, or the team that you're going to be playing against is or the country that you're going to be playing against is. And so it's just uh, it's there's not going to be a universal standard here in uh, especially when you're dealing with different jurisdictions and stuff like that. We just have um, to figure it out as a nation. Like that's the first step is saying we fuck this shit up, you know, and I'm not yep. going to sure go to America mm-hmm. is handling this like we are the most powerful and richest nation in the in the world, which we always want to, you know, pump our chests out about, but why are we, right. we just have to fix it. Let's fix well, it. The problem, the, the biggest problem that we have is that it's, it's honestly at this point, I think is, is the citizens, you know, yeah. um, just the way that, that we're wired generally and the things that we've come to accept and things that we've come to not accept. Um, but obviously it started with leadership, right? It started all the way. Let's mm-hmm. not, put this all on the citizens um but i do think and i mentioned this on twitter that this kind of wear a mask i want to play uh thing i feel like there's it's 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 a good message right but i think that there's a little bit of some people who are using it in a disingenuous manner right because Mm -hmm. they realize that when things actually do shut down that they can say oh well it's because people weren't listening people weren't social distancing people weren't wearing a mask and so it's not my fault i i did everything i could as my high and mighty politician leader person yeah but it's but they're bullshit it's it seems like the hustle is already kind of being set up there yeah yeah and and then one other thing on baseball um before we get to our last topic is you know san francisco giants players they actually knelt um during the, the anthem there's been all kinds of talk about that. Mark Cuban's gone back, back and forth with different people. And um, people are talking about boycotting him and all that stuff. But then after those players knelt, hashtag boycott MLB um, started on Twitter. I mean, it, you know, there's, there's talk about this in, from colleges to, to high schools and even sometimes younger, all the way to every pro league about what's going to happen this year when, as far as the anthem and um, there's some people questioning why is the anthem even played at, at any sports games? Is it played at, when you walk into work every day at your, your corporate job? Like, what is it so that's so special about the sports games? Um, and there's just talks about whether or not people are going to do it and what's going to happen. And, and, and Trump is obviously talking about it. If he sees somebody kneel, he's turning the game off and all that type of stuff. How do you see that, that playing out this season? Does it affect you? Do you care? Or does it is it just another just politically divisive bullshit it is politically divisive again you know the reason that a lot of the anthems are played is because it's actually a financial transaction between our government and these organizations to build up propaganda for our military organizations which again they actually pay right yeah they pay so Mm -hmm. i'm not just to be clear i'm not taking a position on whether that's right or wrong but Mm -hmm. that that is is our here and the truth is if look we have 
in America, you have the freedom to choose, right? Mm-hmm. If you're bothered by these players kneeling for the anthem, then turn the fucking TV off. I don't mm-hmm. care. Right. They shouldn't care. Right. We got to stop worrying about these people from the sidelines always coming up and saying, oh, that's un-American. If it's un-American to them, and we always say that people who hold these type of views in America are part of the minority, then why do we give them so much power? Mm-hmm. Let them turn off the TV and do whatever the hell else they want to do with their time. You know, let's not address them every time they come up and they want to boycott something. You know that that's not the sentiment the general sentiment of of the population in the country anymore yeah, well, yeah i mean and i think to the extent that it is even in some people they've been kind of silenced by it or just you know they've just learned to not have that be their product you know their dominating thought the nba has been very clear on this i mean i think they're even painting black lives matter on the courts you know like they're not they're not playing around with that they're they're not they're not being they're being unequivocal rather mm-hmm. um, with what where they stand um and i again i think at this point, and we talked to Lance more about this. At this point, if your opinion on that is that oh, you're disrespecting the country and the flag and all that type of stuff, if that's the, if you're still saying that right now in mm-hmm. July of 2020, then that's just willful. That's you. You choose yeah. to kind of believe that, regardless of there's, you know, people have explained it seven different types of ways. Many people all across the country from all different walks of life have articulated it very well. If that's what you want to believe, that's just what you want to believe. And I think in a lot of ways, that's just this is just another example of where we are in this country. You know, people believe this or they believe that. Mm-hmm. And and that's just, you know, you, you always say divided states of America. That is kind of where we are. And these mm-hmm. things that that shouldn't have this level of importance um, do. And yeah. people are very emotional about it. And you can't really talk to them one way or the other. So um, I think it's going to. You know, I think that we'll probably see it'll see an uptick in different things happening, like little fights happening in the stands, you know, obviously fights on social media, you know, maybe Congress well, people that, and, and, and people calling for right, fights on social media. Definitely okay. fights on social media. Right, right. But then like, you know, and then like, you know, corporations not supporting stuff or people, you know, Congress people or politicians calling for boycotts. We're going to see more of that this year. And yeah. just like we've seen like the fights in the stores with over the masks and stuff like that. Like you would think it's like, okay, if I don't, I wear a mask or I don't wear a mask. Most people stay away from each other, but they're not. There's, they're actually on a collision course in a lot of, a lot of circumstances. Yeah. How disingenuous our leaders or political leaders are is, is a big part of the reason that this continues to be a problem. Like you are supposed to be educated enough to understand nuance yeah. and understand an issue from all sides, right? That's what you're an elected official for. You're not supposed to come out and take such a hard line position on these type of things because at the end of the day, if an NFL player from the Houston Texans is is kneeling or speaking out, that's a taxpayer that you're responsible to as well, Mm. right? Right. Um, as an elected official. So it's just, it's just unfortunate how, how these things are handled. Well, the other thing too, is that uh, this is the last thing on is that certain people are obviously politicizing this thing, yeah. like using it, like, like Trump knows what he's doing yeah. when he, when he tweets about this type of stuff, he knows what he, he knows who he's calling or dog whistling or whatever. Like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why, and he, he knows that it actually energizes certain parts of his base um, and to, does he really care about it? I mean, we've seen videos of him doing different stuff during the anthem, so I doubt it, you know. Um, I don't think but he's he, nerved, did he? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. So, we, but, so, you know, people are definitely politicizing it. 
Mm. And, um, you know, it is what it is. I guess, I guess the last thing on that, which is actually a pretty good segue, to be honest, is John Kasich. And the reason why I think he's important, particularly for us, is because we're from Ohio, right? And yeah. he was a former governor. And he came out uh, recently uh, essentially saying that he will speak at the Democratic National Convention, I believe, and he will actually endorse Joe Biden over Trump, even though he's a Republican. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I, I am a big fan of of John Kasich. I don't like everything that he stands for. Obviously, he is a he is a Republican. But what I like about him is it goes back to he's a reasonable human being. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can have a reasonable conversation. He can have a reasonable conversation with a Democrat. He can have a reasonable conversation with a Republican. Um, and if we had more elected officials like that, um, I think that this country, we we're, we emphasize so much on personality and how much charisma a person has. Mm -hmm. But John Kasich is an example of the type of person you want, someone who looks at the landscape and says, you know what? I don't care what party I am. What I'm seeing happening to the country crosses party lines. And mm -hmm. um, and I'm an advocate for that, not just in this scenario because he's anti-Trump, but in any scenario, you need to have people on the other side who can look at themselves in the mirror and look at where they're at and say, this doesn't, this isn't what our party's about. This isn't what I'm about and I can't support it anymore. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, we all know that Joe Biden is a flawed candidate, right? So no one's sitting here acting like he's like the greatest thing <laughs> to come. But I do think that there are a lot of Republicans and I've had conversations with some of them who are looking at who view Trump as something separate than the Republican Party, right? Mm -hmm. And the, one of the things that I think is important to, to pay attention to as we start to get closer to the election, um, and particularly after the election, if let's say Trump loses, is all these Republicans that start to try to start distancing themselves from him, right? Yep. Because if, if, if he loses, the way history, history is not gonna be favorable to him the way history is written and anyone that was connected to him it's going to go down it's going to be bad like yeah. disgraceful mm -hmm. disgraced impeached all these were all these things and no one's going to want to be associated with that um so wh where i back to Kasich, i think it's like you said i don't agree with him on a lot of things and i think he's been bad on certain things yes particularly yeah. bad on certain things but one thing that i can respect is him saying listen i don't support this at all this is not what i want for my party i'm not going to be on record supporting this when i was running for president i didn't support it and i'm not going to support it now not one of these scenarios where i was bashing him you know while i was running for president and all of a sudden i start kissing his ass again like you know, all these yeah. rubios and all these people right yeah um so that's where where i can kind of i can I respect what it is that he's doing and it, it takes a lot of courage because there are a lot of republicans right now who i know in their homes are like, man, Trump is a disaster. He's a disaster for our party, for what we stand for. But this is kind of the ship that I'm on right now, so I'm gonna keep riding it. But that they don't really believe in, in the same things that he necessarily professes to believe in. But they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place of what to do. And, and it takes courage to actually step out on that right now. And it's, it's crazy. This is all about power, right? They don't want to lose the power that comes with having Trump as the president for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so we're seeing like how much power corrupts, right? It yeah. makes you look 
the other way on everything else. So long as I'm getting what I want out of this, we can just let this guy keep going. We'll keep supporting it. Mm-hmm. But what people don't realize, and I think we're starting to see now, is that there is a domino effect of having somebody who is so unpredictable at the highest position of power in the country. And we're also mm-hmm. starting to understand that the checks on power that we thought there was <laughs> on, on the presidency, right. there's a lot that they can get around. Mm-hmm. You know? um, exactly. And I think that's part of what some people do like about him, the people that like him, mm-hmm. um, is that he just does whatever. Yep. Um, but I do think that there is, uh, you know, in case it gets representative of this, is there's a growing population of people even within that party that have to decide where do they stand where and not it's not well, i'm not a republican anymore it's that i'm not part of this trump republicanism right what's happening to our government with this mm-hmm. guy in office right right exactly so i think you know as we get closer to the election i think that's something to keep an eye on is you know how do those things start to play out i mean you have the lincoln project you have other republicans yeah. coming out doing stuff um so it's interesting that Kasich is 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 one of the big first kind of dominoes I guess you could say to fall. Um, and he's an Ohio, a former Ohio governor. So he's obviously worth talking about for us, but we'll see how that plays out. And, um, you know, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot to see, you know, 2020 we're what, seven months in and there's a, there's a lot of stuff left to see how it's going to play out um, by the end of this year. So we are definitely going to be on top of it. Uh, and we're going to obviously try to stay safe and keep bringing you guys good content. Uh, That is all we have for news and notes. Thank you for listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Love the Pilot Boys podcast? Support us on Patreon. Supporters can pledge as little as $1. We have some cool perks on there. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys podcast. Show us some love today. Bondo Media here in Columbus has been working with us to keep the Pilot Boys in production during the pandemic, as well as getting our YouTube videos going. It's all about telling your story to your audience. So give John at Ondo Media a shout. You can find all of their media consulting at ondomedia.com. That's all we have for today's show. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Subscribe to the Pilot Boys podcast on Apple, Spotify, Patreon, and YouTube. And please follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And follow the hosts on Twitter. I am at Mechadon Music. And V is at the Swant. And also, don't forget to grab some Pilot Boys wristbands and face masks at shop.pilotboys.com. Always remember, be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out. Pilot Boys, we get on up.